0: Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Simone Gold, and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Gold Report. This is where we expose what needs to be exposed, we blow the whistles, and we bring you the facts. One set of facts, true today, true tomorrow. Very excited to start this with you. I'd like to introduce my co-host, April Moss. Let me tell you a little bit about her. April is a former mainstream media news anchor who was fired for being a courageous whistleblower. As an advocate for the First Amendment, medical freedom, and individual rights, April rose to national prominence when she exposed her employer, CBS 62, live on air for engaging in discrimination and lack of objectivity in a much-anticipated interview with James O'Keefe. April was promptly fired from her career. By the way, April, we could talk about that for a whole episode <laughs> sure, good. Um, in mainstream media. But her actions helped reveal the entrenched bias and discrimination in newsrooms around the country. So she's really a perfect co-host. Those of you who already know me, I am the founder of America's Frontline Doctors and Gold Care. And I blew the whistle also in 2020 to just expose all the medical corruption and the lies from our government. So we're going to bring a lot of that information to you directly today.
1: April? Dr. Gold, I just want to say, too, that as a journalist with mainstream media during 2020, doing my own research, realizing that mainstream media was lying to all of the people, the day that I saw you and the other doctors step forward on the steps of the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., I had tears running down my cheeks to see the boldness and the courage and also the truth, because up until that point, just the research that I had been doing on my own, I was hoping I was right. I was hoping I wasn't wrong in the things that I was learning and that we really did have cures and there wasn't any need to be afraid. So I just want to thank you. You were a huge reason why I had the courage to eventually step down from my position with mainstream media and the corrupt
0: uh, industry that it has become. Thank you so much for saying that. And this is exactly why I do what I do. It's not for just myself or other doctors. It's really just to activate citizens who know in their heart that something is wrong, that something that they're hearing is not true, and to give them the courage and the confidence to believe in themselves, stand up, advocate from wherever you are. So you're a news anchor. You might be a shop owner. You might be a teacher. You might be a police officer. But if you know what's right, you need the courage of your convictions, and you need other experts around to advise you that you are right. So I'm so glad to play that role for you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to get into the news headlines from this week. We had a lot of things happening in the world. And uh, first up, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. teased a major announcement. He says he will unveil his special plan on October 9th to save the country. We're also going to talk about Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who was ousted from the House and President Trump being nominated for the position. Many others are now announcing that they are in the running. We're going to get into that. The Michigan Supreme Court becomes the first in the nation to adopt they pronouns. The DOJ fines Georgia Tech $500,000 for advertising jobs only to U.S. citizens. And the Nobel Prize was awarded to two scientists for their role in the mRNA clot shots. We're going to get into that in more detail. And finally, Justin Trudeau moves to censor podcasts in his latest push to regulate the internet. So we've got an exciting lineup for you today. And of course, our special guest, Dr. Joseph Latipo, coming on the show a little bit later.
0: Excellent. These are all very important issues. So we strive to bring you really just the most important issues quickly in a nutshell once a week.
1: So Dr. Gold, I'd love to hear uh, your opinion on this announcement from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But first, let's take a listen to what he had to say.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm going to be in Philadelphia on October 9th to make a major announcement at the very birthplace of our nation. I'm not going to tell you right now exactly what that announcement will be. I can say, though, that if you've been waiting to come to one of my public events, this will be the one to come to.
0: You know, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. Kennedy several times over the last few years. So I do have a bit of a personal relationship with him. And I, of course, don't know any better than anyone else what he might announce. I could speculate, is he going to run as an independent? You know, I don't know. We'll just wait. I definitely will be listening. What I can say is I, I feel very grateful to him for elevating the issue of medical freedom and informed consent to the national platform. He is the first presidential candidate to make medical freedom and informed consent and um, patient rights as important, for example, as our discussions on budgeting and, and money for the war in Ukraine, we really don't see that so often from presidential candidates. That they're really looking at the average American situation. So I am waiting to hear what he already has to say. And uh, you know, God bless him for elevating medical freedom to top top rung.
1: I want to say this too. Um, you know. 17 years ago, I had uh, twin boys, infant boys, and uh, I was educated on the dangers that were in the childhood shots. Now, much of what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has done over this last uh, several decades has been really sounding the alarm on big pharma. And we, we saw, like we've never seen before, how sinister and evil this entire plot is. From big right. pharma has been since uh, since twenty twenty happened, and I think that him running for president has really forced these issues that up until now had been labeled as conspiracy, and he has been able to come forward in the spotlight. And more people who would have dismissed him before now are really, I think, seeing him as well as he's a credible source.
0: Yeah, think. you know, it's so interesting. So you and I have had very different experiences. Mm-hmm. I was very mainstream board certified emergency physician. And I never really questioned the shots ever. So it's kind of funny when they label me anti-vax because actually I've taken every vaccine that was possibly offered. And I was also required as an emergency physician to even take the influenza shot every year. My children took every shot. So I made different decisions than you did. So I wasn't really in this fight. And then I saw what was happening with the COVID shots. And I saw that they were not regulated. They were not tested. They were not even um, stopping the transmission of the virus. We knew that since the very beginning. It was in the Pfizer and Moderna applications to the FDA in December 2020, that it doesn't even stop the transmission. So I I knew that this was not a valid thing. But Robert Kennedy taught me something so eye-opening that I really want to share it with the audience. We all tend to think that Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson are perhaps pushing the shots because they make a lot of money, and that's true. But what if they are also benefiting financially from the downstream harm of Suboptimal pharmaceutical products. He's the first person who suggested that to me. And I'm not telling you what to think. We won't ever do that on the gold report, but I'm suggesting to you that it was very eye-opening comment that he made to me that if indeed pharmaceutical manufacturers give you a medicine and much of the time, prior to the COVID shot, much of the time the item worked, for example, but sometimes it didn't. And sometimes it caused an adverse reaction or downstream ill effect. And then they sold you the treatment for that that was super eye-opening to me because then we're not just talking about the billions that they made from the shots. We're talking about the multiple, multiple billions that they would make for the treatment of the negative effects. So yeah. I'm, I'm just sharing with you that that is something he taught me.
1: That's It's incredible. And I'm really excited about him and, and certainly we'll be watching on yeah. October 9th for what he's going to say. And we'll be covering it on the show as well next week. Uh, you know, another big announcement that happened was something that is unprecedented. Speaker McCarthy being ousted from the House. It's never happened before. And uh, President Trump being nominated uh, for a speaker. Here's what he had to say regarding that. Uh, a lot of people have been calling me about
2: speaker. So all I can say is we'll do whatever's best for the country and for the Republican Party. Would you so people? Would
0: have some great, great people. You know, I like talking about this issue because everyone thinks of me as a doctor. And sometimes I worry that people forget that I'm also an attorney, but this is a fascinating story. So you might've heard this, I, I think about a year or two, a year, year and a half ago, people were toying with this idea. Could Trump be the speaker? So we did a little investigating and it turns out that you can be speaker of the house, even if you're not A sitting congressman, which is actually very interesting. And it's actually come up in our nation's history a few times where they have tried to put people forward um, for that speaker role who were not sitting congressmen. And it's never actually happened. But the fact is, it can actually happen. So we really don't know what's going to happen here, but we do know that at least one representative. Representative Nels from Texas has said that he would put forth Trump's name as speaker. Trump has not ruled it out. He said he would consider it. He would try to do what's best for the nation. So we're going to see that, you know, what happens there. It's kind of interesting.
1: He is also flying to Washington, D.C. next week to make his pitch uh, in front of the House. So that'll be interesting as well. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out her support for him, obviously, Matt Gates. Uh, has been a huge fan as well. But we have some other candidates that are now coming out of the woodworks, uh, and they include Steve Scalise. He is from Louisiana. He's been nominated. Uh, Jim Jordan, of course, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and Kevin Hearn out of Oklahoma so far. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm interested to see who backs these different others. Who's not going to back Trump?
0: Right, right. Um,
1: You know, that's kind of what I'm interested to see.
0: Right, I'm... Right, it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, we do have a division, you know, in in the political arena, but we just really need strong leadership, and we need somebody who can advocate for the American people, and that's what I'm in favor of. It.
1: Well, and and you hit the nail on the head: the American people, yeah. and not their special interests, and not their yeah. um, filling their pockets up with yeah. with money from, yeah. So we've got another interesting story. I know you're excited to talk about it, and it has to do with the Michigan Supreme Court. Uh, this has never been done before, but they have become the first in the nation to adopt they pronouns. Would love to hear your take on this, Dr. Gold.
0: Right. So this is a really big issue for those of you who've ever heard of the thought leader, uh, Jordan Peterson from Canada. He actually predicted this several years ago that we were going to get into a time that the government would force us to use language. And this We have to take note that it's not a matter of if you agree or disagree of the concept of somebody calling themselves by the plural, they, it's that, can the government force you to have certain speech come out of your mouth? So that was the argument that uh, Jordan Peterson was arguing very strongly against. And I just want people to notice the sea change. If the government is to force anybody to say a certain phrase that that would be a, a brand new uh, day in America. So what the Michigan court held was that you could refer to the person by they, if that's how they wanted to be referred to, but they were not going to force you to do so. You could also refer to the person as the plaintiff or the defendant or the litigant or by their name, by their their given name. So I do think it's a highly alarming statement by the michigan it was the supreme court right yes. the michigan supreme court to even kind of go down this road i don't think it helps people in to believe this you know a very short time ago we would have called people like that psychiatrically ill in in medicine that would have been just the mainstream statement but in a, in addition to perhaps you know ill judgment in doing that at least let's note that they're not forcing us to use speech that we wouldn't otherwise want to use. I think if they had gone that far, that would have, you know, been dismissed by the Supreme Court of the United States.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me. I mean, I, of course, lived in Michigan for almost, you know, 16 years. And to see the trajectory that the state has gone just in the last, I would say, you know, three, four years has been alarming. Um and this didn't really come as a surprise to me, but when you when you look at what some of the more conservative judges that are on the Supreme court have said regarding this, they say, you know, it sets a dangerous precedent because it's going to be very confusing. It's very, uh, you know, across all the other courts. And then I remember, I think this was maybe a year ago when uh, the secretary of state said that they were going to now put on the Michigan licenses, you know, non-binary, which is, you know, from a, from a
0: safety standpoint, it's it's a dangerous thing. You know, you bring up a really good point. You know, whenever you read court documents, which is, of course, what we're talking about here, and you read the transcript of the court document, if you weren't actually in the case, it's very confusing when you read it. And if you read something that says they, and you're just the reader trying to piece together what happened in court, it'll be very confusing to have they. So um, I do think it's dangerous to um, change these rules in, in the way our society runs itself mm-hmm. so rapidly. Um, and it also points out the absolute importance of having incredibly good leadership. I mean, the rapid change, I think, in Michigan is really due to a very small number of people who have an agenda. I mean, I'm talking a handful of people that have an agenda. And if you had a different handful of people, it wouldn't be going this way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we can look at exactly who's running that state right now. Uh-huh. And, you know, um, and of course we know about what happened as well on election night in 2020 and yes. what went on in Detroit. So um, hopefully they can get things to turn around there, but it's not going in a good direction right now. Um, you know, the the other thing that's concerning is the story about Georgia Tech and the Department of Justice fining them $500,000. For advertising jobs only to US citizens. Um, And the settlement came after a lawful permanent resident student filed a complaint with the DOJ's Civil Rights Division. Dr. Gold, what are your thoughts on this case? I mean, we've seen the DOJ being weaponized against the American people. Now they're coming after
0: colleges. Right. So, right. So the top level issues mm-hmm. is that the Department of Justice is involved in weaponizing and do these things, period. So my understanding of the story is that Georgia Tech, like many universities, has job fair and they have job opportunities and they put those job opportunities out and they're doing it in a way that's legally consistent with, with American law. So American law favors citizens. And the theory is quite obvious, which is if an American can fill that job, we rather have an American take that job. And you're really only supposed to give that job in general, there's always a lot of exceptions mm-hmm. to a non-American if there's no American who can do that job. And that's just the cornerstone of, of immigration law. I mean, anybody who's tried to get um, their citizenship knows this is true. So this is actually very, very shocking. That So Georgia is literally following the law, which says, you know, these jobs are available to these applicants. Georgia didn't make up the law. That is a the law. They were just following the law. Department of Justice is now accusing them of discriminating against people who really are not citizens, which is actually Georgia Tech had no option. They had to follow the law. So again, this is a very um, bad example of, you know, our taxpayer dollars are funding the Department of Justice to take on these kinds of cases.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, again, another a waste of our taxpayer dollars. And, and by the
0: dollars, way, $500,000 right? going to the Department of Justice and not going to the students, right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's well, always about the money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and in other crazy news, we have the Nobel prize being awarded this past week to two scientists for their role in the MRNA, what I call clot shots. Um, and so we're going to get into this in much greater detail next week, because thankfully we have Dr. Robert Malone coming on. He's been really sounding the alarm on these two scientists. This is uh Catalan Carrico and drew Weissman. And, What we know so far is that there were a lot of donations um, that were given to these people and um, a lot of donations, money going on between the Nobel Prize uh, awarding group and and these labs, these facilities where they were working out of. Um, And we're going to get into more details next week. But we wanted you to be aware that uh, it's just interesting to me, right? Two scientists get awarded a Nobel Prize for something... That
0: has caused more people yes. to die. I think that that's the funniest part of that story. Okay. <laughs> Is if I had been near um, the invention of this thing, I would be running for the hills, and I wouldn't want any credit whatsoever.
1: Right.
0: I. So yeah, this we're living in crazy times, April. Yeah,
1: it's um, it's it's really interesting, and and again, I think we're gonna we're gonna actually dive into yes. with Dr. Malone exactly the technology that these scientists uh, developed and why he says you know, if anyone should be getting a Nobel Prize, it should be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is what he was right. quoted as saying. Ah, yeah. But our last uh, headline news story is on the censorship of podcasts out of Canada. So I know this is one that you're really passionate <sighs> yeah. about. I'm passionate about it as well. Uh, but yeah, Justin Trudeau. And, and again, this is the Canadian government saying we're doing this for the better good, for the greater yeah. good.
0: Yeah. So this is where it all begins and ends. And this is the number one issue that everyone hearing us needs to pay attention to is the silencing of your voice, the silencing of other people's voices. So we have elite power players who for whatever reason have decided that they are the mommy and daddy of the world and they are going to control what information can come into your ears. This always ends badly. We have done this experiment Throughout the eons in human society, it never ends well. If you don't like something and you don't want to hear it, you can change the channel. You are not forced to listen to anything. So the end result of a power player always trying to block that information from your ears is that you won't hear the full story. They're not leaving the choice up to you. They're treating you like an infant. This is a huge problem and it's shocking to see from Canada. We saw Canada did so poorly in terms of civil rights in the last three and a half years and it's extremely alarming. So he intends to require everybody who's podcasting to get um, essentially like a license, like a business license. The problem with that is the moment you need a license to do something from the government, the government then has power over you. We saw this in the lockdown years. If you owned a small gym, if you owned a hairdressing salon, if you owned a small hardware store, you were told you were not essential, you couldn't keep your doors open. And by the way, as we know, Costco and Walmart and, you know, all the big chains could be open, which means that the rules are never going to be decided even handedly. It's not as though Justin Trudeau plans to censor everything. He only plans to censor those voices with which he doesn't agree. This is extremely alarming. We still have in our nation a stronger, law, our our first amendment in terms of free speech than Canada does. But we have to keep an eye on this. It's extreme is extremely dangerous.
1: Well we know that Justin Trudeau is, you know, a student of the World Economic Forum, has close ties with the globalists. And just recently, Klaus Schwab had announced that we need to crack down on dissenting voices, dissenting opinions, and things that go against their narrative. So you know, again, if you're following and many of our uh, people in our audience are very much aware and, and awake uh, to this globalist agenda, this falls right in line with being able to control the information that goes out. Um, so it's really, it is it is sad and I, I feel bad for the the Canadians. Although I we have our own free speech, you know, infringement issues here in this country. And I wonder, you know, how much longer will it be before we hear something like this happening so in one of
0: So one of the saving graces so far that's kept us more free than other places, although we've lost a lot of freedom, is that is really that we have 50 states. So we kind of do different experiments in different states. So Canada is really doing what Canada is doing. I'm sorry, California is really doing what Canada is doing, which is it's really playing around with free speech. So we're going to get into it in a bit, but California is trying to regulate the free speech of doctors. For example, they could never do this if, for example, doctors didn't have business licenses with the state. The doctors would just you know, say, thank you, not interested in what you have to say. But because the doctors can earn their livelihood um, by complying with having a business license, then the government can come in and try to mess with their ability to have their livelihood Based on violating a state regulation. So that's the direction Canada is going. That's the direction California is deeply trying to go. And we just have to hope, you know, and rely on the fact that we have multiple different states. And many of the states at this moment would never allow this sort of thing. But we have to always be very vigilant um, and support those free speech endeavors. I think it's the single most important issue of our time.
1: I agree with you 100%. And um, I know we're excited about our special guest, Florida Surgeon General, Joe, Dr. Joe Ladipo. He is going to be joining us momentarily. Uh, but first, we have a special message for our
0: audience. Gold Care is a doctor in your pocket. And Not just any doctor, but a doctor you can actually trust. We are the replacement for the current broken healthcare system. How does it work? First, you join our private membership association, which keeps the government out of your business. Then you can schedule with a provider of your choice and meet through our proprietary telehealth platform. You can schedule a visit pretty much whenever you want and you can access your chart on demand. That's it. Your provider has no conflict of interest. The doctor-patient relationship is their only priority. There is no profit motive to stay sick or drug dependent or do lots of testing. We work to get you well and get you off prescription medications whenever that is possible. You pay a monthly membership, which includes one doctor visit per month, lots of wellness classes, a newsletter, and a library of information. Additional physician time is available. All costs are upfront and transparent, as it should be. If you're a person who wants to have a doctor in your pocket whom you can trust to work towards your best health, join GoldCare. If you're a business owner and you want to spend only about half of what you're currently spending on so-called health insurance, but still be financially protected, join GoldCare. If you want to actually do something to fight socialism, join GoldCare because you cannot be both in favor of freedom but continue to pay premiums to fund the so-called health insurance system. This is how we change the system. Do something for yourself, your family, and your nation. Join GoldCare today and put a doctor in your pocket. Okay, I'd like to welcome our special guest today, that would be my good friend, Dr. Joseph Latipo, MD, PhD. Dr. Latipo is the Surgeon General of the Free State of Florida. He is a professor at the University of Florida College of Medicine. He received his MD from Harvard Medical School and a PhD in Health Policy from Harvard Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. Dr. Latipo worked as an Associate Professor of General Internal Medicine and a Health Policy Researcher at UCLA prior to moving to Tampa, Florida, where he lives with his wife and children. He's also the author of the book, Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership in public health. I'd like to welcome Dr. Ladapo.
3: Thank you, Simone. It's a, it's a pleasure to be chatting with you. It's always always great to see you and always great to speak with Thank you. you.
0: You know what I really wanted to talk about tonight the issue that's really near and dear to my heart is physician censorship. So if you can just um I'm going to want your opinion about this because you know you've really you've really had a lot of experience with this yourself. So you're very familiar I'm sure being from California that AB 2098 bill that was censoring physicians and the fact that this was signed into law at the beginning of the year and then a few physicians brought uh, some lawsuits against it, and just recently Governor Newsom uh, killed that bill. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but he just killed it. So it's not going to go into law. He kind of repealed that provision. But what I want to talk about is just how dangerous bills like this is. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Missouri v. Biden decision. That's been winding its way through the courts. But I I want to ask you about this because the Missouri v. Biden decision was brought, the Missouri v. Biden case was brought by the Attorney Generals of Louisiana and Missouri. And they brought together a huge amount of evidence to show that the government was censoring people whose voices they didn't agree with. I mean, an enormous amount of evidence. And they showed the attorney generals had overwhelming factual evidence of government censorship. There were weekly emails, phone calls, weekly or biweekly in-person meetings from multiple federal agencies, including the federal surgeon general's office, to all of the social media companies. They would tell the social media companies to flag or put warning signs and reduce the the reach of of, of different social media accounts and then de-platform them. And the question I had for you is that this, a lot of this came directly from the Surgeon General's office, it came from the White House, it came from the CDC, it came from the FBI, it came from the CIA, it came from the Census Bureau, but it also came from the Surgeon General's office. So my question is, you're a firm believer in public health and public policy, but we have an American population now that's very traumatized about believing anything the government says in the area of public health. I know you to be speaking truth. What would you say to the average American who looks at this evidence of censorship and says, no more, I'm not listening to anybody in the government anymore in public health. I, and I I thought you were the best person to speak to that.
3: Well, I would tell that person that I think they're making the right decision. At least in the areas of COVID, in areas that have less political Implications. I think that, you know, there are good CDC reports and researchers say if we're talking about helmets or if we're talking about, and, and those aren't, and this, I'm talking about uh, worms, the, the, that's a medical term, helmets, just for, for listeners who might not have a medical background, or if we're talking about car accidents or other types of injuries, you generally, I think they're. Generally trustworthy in areas that are not political or that don't have political implications, but very obviously, I mean, you should just close your ears and na 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 nah, if you're hearing anything about COVID, uh, because they're obviously not trustworthy. I mean, they're completely whatever the opposite of trustworthy is is what they are. So I, I think that's a good plan, a good approach if the topic is political. And by the way, that goes for climate change too.
0: So it's, that's a very interesting answer, thoughtful answer. You know, I practiced in the medical field as did you for a very long time. And I never didn't believe what I was reading in the journals and the, you know, government agencies say, but it's it's challenging though, right, Dr. Latapo, Because a lot of I wouldn't have thought SARS two would have become so political. I mean, fifteen years ago, SARS one was not political. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, yeah, okay. So we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> um, what What about? Um, I'm, I'm really going to ask questions that I don't think you've been asked so often. Like, what What other Surgeon Generals in the nation do you also feel like are fighting the fight with you and really speaking up for the average? person, you have a person's health. I mean, is that an area you'd like to talk about? Answer, of it?
3: <laughs> uh, there's an easy answer to that one.
0: <laughs> not many.
3: <laughs> yeah, the answer is zero. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's not really surprising either. I think that either, you know, you've got two types of doctors out there who are not vocal. I mean the minority are vocal, but you've got your doctors who are drinking the Kool-Aid, think that the masks work great and there's they're a good way to control pandemic, you know, control infections, even though that was never done or never part of medicine or medical recommendations in terms of community masking. And they think that, you know, without any evidence, you should receive this like eighth booster or whatever number we're up to. And, um, and those are your Kool-Aid drinking doctors. And then you, they're your doctors that agree with, with positions you've taken, Simone. They disagree with the censorship. They disagree with the mandates. You know, they disagree with the rush of trying to push policies or trying to push mRNA vaccines that obviously have not received adequate testing but they don't want to stick their neck out there you know they may message you or you know show up at events maybe maybe um but you know that's that's kind of that's the remainder of the doctors and in terms of heads of departments of health around the country uh, most of them fall in one or the other of those camps but no one's really willing to put their neck out and I get it I mean I know that it's something we've talked about you're not happy about people not really stepping up and having courage and and I don't and I'm not happy about it either obviously you see how you know they've they the media the Washington Post the New York Times everyone comes after you and um, they come after me also for saying things like, you know, please don't give healthy kids these new mRNA vaccines. And you know, or or the right. these masks are not a path to health. They're not gonna protect you. So I, I get why people may not wanna stick their so necks out.
0: I, I right. It's it, there's no question that it comes at a cost. It, so Going forward, I feel as though the solution is to have a really strong state leadership. I mean, I really do believe that. And you've been an example of that. And, do you, are, I, you know, you're spending a lot of time, right, keeping Floridians safe and hoping to make Florida a beacon for how it can be going forward. And, and how is that going? Like, do you feel like, you know, that that's, you're having, you're gaining traction in that area? Do you, you know, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think I think we have been able to in the state be really communicate a message of of thinking about health. Florida too is is as you've seen it's a state that, you know, people love to go boating and people like to be outside and people like to enjoy their lives and eat at restaurants and and eat outside at restaurants and enjoy all the beauty we have here. So I think this is a state that is is very was ready to hear messages about physical activity, vitamin D wellness, taking care of yourself, staying active, trying to put good food in your body. And I think we have made, you know, I think we have made progress there. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of, I mean, there are areas that where people really drink all the CDC stuff, but for the most part, you know, the governor DeSantis won by landslide in the last, Election, I mean, more than a landslide. And that means that they, people put more trust in him than what they were receiving from the federal government. So we're, we're, we're looking different here in Florida and people like it. I I rarely hear anyone complain about the the freedom and the ability to make your own decisions.
0: So I, I, you know, from my perspective, Dr. Latifo, you're super popular. I mean, in in the state and, uh, I mean, there's no question. People love you. I go around and people love you. And I just want to put a shout out. Dr. Latipo, I don't know if you know April, my co-host April. So Dr. Latipo was one of the very first America's Frontline Doctors. He always li- took his own counsel. He listened to good advice, but he really made up his own mind, which is for both of us is kind of sad that we are we don't necessarily see that as broadly as we'd like to see in medicine. But I know, April, we had some questions from, from viewers and listeners. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, so one of our one of our listeners said, uh, they'd love to hear from you, Dr. Latapo, on this question. Why are MDs and most medical facilities so feel, why do they feel so beholden to big pharma?
3: Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I think that it's it's an issue that I talk about a little bit in my book, and I know it's something that Simone has talked about too. And Really, the face of medical care in this country has changed a lot over the decades. And we've gone from most doctors being independent doctors, private practice, to I don't know what the latest statistics are, but my sense, certainly in big cities, is that most doctors are employees. They work for corporations. And corporations are not about people, their employees stepping out of line, and I, I actually think that's the bigger force. Pharma's always had an influence, and frankly, they probably have more of an influence at the congressional level. I mean, they, they've had profound influence on the types of laws that have been passed, the patent protections, um, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the policies related to how medications are paid for in this country. And even this whole negotiation over prices, over drug prices that was a third rail until recently. Now Medicare, just very recently, Medicare has has is now getting a little bit involved in this area. But I mean how many Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars have been made over the years from the the power, the legislative power of pharma. So I, I think they have the biggest influence there. Certainly when pharma comes into our offices and offers us free lunches and then tells us about their medications, that makes a difference. But really, I think the biggest factor is just the fact that doctors most doctors my sense is that they don't have any autonomy they don't have any real sovereignty anymore
0: it's i just want to jump in I, you know I'm really glad you said that i actually do think that's the biggest variable for sure um I'm not certain exactly the numbers but i think it's more than 85 percent of doctors are employees now that is a huge change my father was a doctor and you know here in America and i think when he was practicing like in the 70s and 80s were his you know biggest years i i think it was around five or eight percent of of Doctors were not their own small business owners, so it's interesting to hear you say that. I, I totally concur. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And another question we had was, where can we find a doctor who is trusted and not part of the corrupt medical
0: community? <laughs> I know Doctor Gold has a great answer for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean,
0: it's it's i I'm not sure if Doctor Latifo has an answer for that. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a yeah. little Gold
3: care. Have you heard of this, okay. new, exactly. this new program, Gold <laughs> <with laughs> Care, with doctors that that fit that, that description? That's that's what I would say.
0: I'll I'll talk about. I I have I do have one question I really want to ask you because I want our viewers to really get to know you a little bit. So you know, I of course know you, and then I also read your book, *Transcend Fear*. But given that you are really such an outlier, you know, by your own words, really, there's no surgeon generals really out there doing what you're doing and just advocating. It it I think it takes just a strong sense of self to be able to advocate for things that you know are true, right? So. I'd love you to share a little bit, you know, from your personal story about why you are the way you are, why, what made Dr. Lattapo the way Dr. Lattapo is, like it made you into a very effective leader who I know for certain, when you're presented with a question, you don't give a knee jerk response. You don't do the popular or the unpopular response. You do, you know, you really think about it and then you come up with a reasoned decision and- Unfortunately, that's an outlier position. So I'm really curious from your own words to kind of introduce yourself to our viewers. You know, what, what made you this way?
3: Oh, thanks Simone. Yeah. Well, I got it. I have to say, I love Simone and my wife and I, we love Simone. We have, you know, I, Simone's one of our like most favorite people in the the world. And we've had these conversations over dinners, in fact. And for me, you know, I I wasn't always like this at all. In fact, I've only been like this for about three years, and I do talk about it in the book. But I have the experience that everyone has in one shape or form or the other, which is that I was someone who was, you know, dealing with a lot of stress and trauma and. And that shaped my approach to life, and that shaped my how I showed up in life, and all those things. And eventually, that led me to work with a guy named Christopher Maher, who used he's a, he's a Navy SEAL, and he used a combination. Brianna, my wife, found him for me, and he used a combination of uh, of techniques from Chinese medicine, and um, not actually medicines, but but techniques related to Uh, meridians and chi and things like that. And he helped me shed, you know, almost all of my stress and trauma. And, um, and I got rid of that. And what I got in response, got what I got in return was more access to me. And so that was right before the pandemic started. It was in December of 2019. And that's, that's how I can be me. And unfortunately, that's the same barrier that keeps a lot of people from being them the stress and the tension that they hold on to. So that's that's what did it.
0: So what I'm hearing is that you really have to work on yourself so you can be clear with yourself and you owe that really to the world. I think everybody owes to the world their best version of themselves, because you, the best version of Dr. Latipo has brought freedom to millions of Floridians and, you know, and it has influenced other people in the nation. That's a really powerful testimonial for why it's not selfish to become the best version of yourself. And also Dr. Heal thyself. You did that.
3: (laughs) You are, I I could, I, I, you're exactly right, Simone. It's ironic, but literally the best thing you can do for everyone around you is to take the best care of yourself that you can so that you can show up in the most powerful way possible. Um, and, you know, and and yeah, that's that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right.
1: Dr. Latipo, I think it's amazing that you, um, it, it it comes forward when you're talking about how much you love your wife and what an instrumental role she's been in your healing process. And you speak quite a lot about her in your book, Transcend Fear, and share about some of her health issues that she had that, you know, you, you were struggling because you couldn't help her and you guys had to go through many different specialists to get her the care that she needed. Um, And so in your book, I'm just curious uh, because what you've done, what you've been able to do uh, standing strong and being the only surgeon general in the nation that's being brave enough to, to say, listen, I I'm actually reading the real studies and the real studies are showing that this stuff is bad. Um, so many people, not just in Florida, are grateful for you, but all across the country, people have fled their blue states to come here because Florida is a bastion of, of freedom and hope. Um, and, and I was in Michigan during 2020, and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like this is, this is terrible what's going on. And so many people fled Michigan um, in the following months. And they came here to Florida and, and from all across the country too. But um, moving forward, like what, what do you feel like is your vision for, uh, you know, the next couple of years? What would you like to focus on? And what are some things that are on your heart that you really want to make sure that you accomplish?
3: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. There are two things, I think. One thing. Relates to these mRNA COVID nineteen shots. Justice is needed, and we can't have justice without truth, and that requires data. It requires analysis. It requires studies. A lot of scientific studies are being done, and you, you know the CDC has just, done just so many really disgusting things. There are studies now that show that you know some portion of people. Have persistent mRNA in their bodies, circulating in their tissues. That's obviously a, a that's obviously a safety issue. CDC has never said anything about that. There are studies now, multiple studies from good research groups, that show negative mRNA COVID nineteen vaccine effectiveness, which means that after some time, people who receive these vaccines are at an increased risk of developing COVID-19, according to these studies. CDC has never said anything about that. There are other studies, high rates of serious adverse events that are way beyond anything that is seen with any other conventional vaccine, such as influenza, silence from CDC. What, What they would prefer is for their sins, to be forgotten. Not forgiven, but forgotten. And what they would prefer is for their missteps to be forgotten. Again, not forgiven, forgotten. And that is the opposite of justice. So we are doing some work here in the the Department of Health in Florida. In addition to that, we are trying to support dissemination of information from researchers that are finding findings that are obviously relevant to the safety of this technology in its current form and its current usage. And you know, I'm I will tirelessly continue to support that. And then the other piece is I I, I want to keep promoting health. Like health first, not health as in you you ask Dr. Fauci and he'll define health by how many you know how many shots you receive or something, and that's not health. You know, health is your body, your physical activity, you know how much sleep you get, how much time doing things you enjoy, and being around people you enjoy. You know, those that's health, and really promoting that message and and we. Setting expectations, if you will, from this medicalized, yucky version of health that uh, yeah. that was just into people's minds over the last three years. That, that's another goal of mine.
0: Oh my gosh. I am so happy you said that. It has been so long since we've even <laughs> talked about things like that. You yeah. know, what is it like to just feel healthy and be healthy and like, be the normal body weight and be outside and enjoying your life, less stress? I love that. That's a fantastic goal for a Surgeon General to have. It's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Dr.
1: Latipo, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're just so grateful for your time. We know that you're extremely busy and you're doing great things for the state of Florida and more Surgeon Generals need to get on board and grow backbone and be like you. So thank <laughs> you for joining us.
0: Thank you. What a great leader. Amazing. Amazing leadership. You can just state. tell
1: just what a great, great man he is. Um, and I, I want to
0: make one other comment about what he said, which which I think is so interesting, which is, Contribute, I think, to why he had a different um, response than many other doctors. You know, he's a very traditionally classically trained physician. He has an MD from Harvard, a PhD from Harvard. I mean, you don't get more traditional and, and, and accomplished than that, MD, PhD from Harvard. Um, and very classic, traditional training. But you see how open he was to alternative types of modalities. And I don't know much more than the layperson in acupuncture for example and he's talking about chi and you know I am not an expert at this but you see how open minded he is you know he doesn't just yeah. throw something out because it wasn't something that he had so much experience with and I really want that in our leadership I want our leadership to look at our problems to look at the facts on the ground and just be open minded and not come at it like Justin Trudeau which is we're not going to listen to something we want people who in our leadership are open minded
1: yeah absolutely and I think that's what the the, the people want you know that they're seeking out alternatives to the traditional medicinal model, right? And they're looking at natural remedies and chiropractic care and, uh, exercising and all of these things. So, um, it's what the people want. And I think if we get more doctors on board with that, and of course gold care is a great place to do so. Um, but we have saved the best for last. We have um, compiled a special video, um, over the next Course of uh, the next twelve weeks, every single week we're going to be unveiling what we call the dirty uh, disinformation dozen,
0: the (laughs) The the deadly deadly disinformation (laughs) dozen. So I just have to share with where this came from. So the government came out with a list, and it's called the disinformation dozen, and they put out this this kind of hateful list to embarrass people and to slander them and just hit them with slime, et cetera. And they said that these people, every time they would be quoted, they say, "Oh, they're a member of the of the disinformation dozen." And it was, it was an attempt to discredit them so that you, the viewer, wouldn't listen to them because they were being pre-identified. Well, you know who's number one on that list is actually Bobby Kennedy Jr. He was the number one source for the government of, of purveying you know, disinformation. So um, we're back at them, and we created the deadly disinformation dozen. These are the list of the 12 most egregious people who really have set into place um, policies in an attempt to kill you. Yeah, I'm going to say that, to kill you. Yep. And we're gonna start with uh, number one on that list. Yep, number one, Anthony Fauci. Let's take mm. a look.
1: The White House pointed to an aggressive online misinformation effort by a handful of bad actors.
0: Misinformation on social media is killing people. Do you agree?
2: Best way for me to prevent getting an infectious disease is what? Um, wearing a mask? No, um, no, no. no. <laughs> right now, people should not be worried There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Should you be wearing two masks or one mask? There's nothing wrong with people wearing two masks. Can we make a general recommendation that doesn't have scientific basis yet? No. Please wear a mask. The optimal degree of protection When you get infection is to get vaccinated. No, if she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be, because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. If you're vaccinated, you really don't need to worry about getting it in a way that's serious or transmitting. it. The risk is extremely low of getting infected, of getting sick or of transmitting it to anybody else. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected.
0: Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again for the second time in two
2: weeks. Does the vaccine make you worse? Well, well, the latter part of what you just said is untrue. You don't get worse results from vaccinating. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. No question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. But also there will be a surprise outbreak. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding pause on gain of function research. I don't think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. Thing that I aspirationally hope to be able to encounter is the ability to rapidly respond to something brand new, whether it's a brand new pandemic, or as you mentioned, a brand new, a attack. Brand new attack upon us deliberately by bioterror, a brand new attack upon us deliberately by bioterror. We did not fund gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress.
1: So next week, we're going to be unveiling uh, our number two deadly disinformation dozen. And uh, between now through the end of the year, we'll be unveiling uh, another one. So each week, look forward to that as we conclude the gold report.
0: And- it's been a really great time with you today, Dr. Gold. Thank you. Absolutely, It's going to be so much fun week after week. If you have any ideas who's going to be number two on the deadly disinformation dozen list, please write to us and let us know and uh, we'll see if you're right. You know, we do have another 11 to go through. I just want to say the Gold Report, one set of facts, true today, true, true tomorrow. tomorrow.